Good morning, everybody. If you were in the lobby, if you'd make your way in, that would be awesome. I want to share something with you before the service gets started. And let me uh, say before I share that, um, I am wired up as to one that holds a lot in and tries to handle my family issues and my personal issues between myself and God and not be a burden on other people. Um, so thus, I don't flash things out there on social media about us or myself, and I, I believe uh, some of those things differently than maybe others. Um, but this morning, I've been encouraged by others to share with you what's going on with me. Many of you know for the last six months I've been battling with CMI notes and did the cataract surgery on my left eye because I thought it was cataracts. I still have cataracts, but it's much different than that. Um, after I had the left cataract removed, I went in for the one-week appointment, and I looked at the doctor, and I said, Doctor, I think you messed up. Sorry. <laughs> you did something wrong. I still can't see. It's still blurry. And so very, uh, after two and a half hours being at, there at the doctor's office and different tests, she determined it was not my eyes. I should be seeing 20-20 out of this eye especially, but I'm not. Um, back behind there where the two optic nerves cross, is your pituitary gland. It's a little monster I'm discovering. Um, but I have a mass on there, uh, and it's about the size of a golf ball. On Friday, I had a CAT scan done, uh, and of course, all doctors immediately say that thing's got to come out, got to come out now. Uh, so at 11 o'clock today, I'm supposed to be in Beechwood, so pray for me as my wife drives, <laughs> all right, that we get there uh, for a uh, MRI. From there on Tuesday, I see a neurosurgeon, and then I don't know anything from that point on. Uh, I can still see you, uh, but you're blurry, and reading is, is it's difficult because that thing's putting pressure on those nerves. So I ask for your prayers. I covet those. I love you guys dearly. This, uh, this is my passion. This place is my passion. You are my passion uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to get through this. They say when they relieve that pressure, I'll be able to see. <laughs> uh, and I'm finding out that little gland controls an awful lot uh, in your body. It's crazy. So... Covet your prayers, and we're going to take off on the road uh, to get up there to take this test. All right? We're going to make it. We're going to make it. God's got it. Hey, um, Jeff, thank you for sharing, brother. For those who feel called, you want to come up. We're Jeff doesn't know. We're going to pray for Jeff here this morning, guys. We're, we're going to just lay hands on this, our brother. And we're going to reach out to our, our loving Father.
Heavenly Father, we um, just adore you and who you are, and we give you all glory and honor, God, in every situation and every tough question and all the uncertainty. God, um, as much as we love Jeff and Brenna, you love them so much more, and we know that you see them and that you understand what's happening right now, even though we don't, and we know that you know the outcome of this. And so, God, we just are pleading with you. We are lifting up Jeff and Brenna, and we're asking for healing, God. We're asking for clarity from this MRI. We're asking for experts to um, be able to take this pituitary gland out. And, God, we're asking that you just heal Jeff of the um, vision problems and everything else that's going on with him because of this tumor. God, we just ask for this to happen. And God, we ask again that you just wrap Jeff and Brenna and their families in your arms, that they can feel your love and your peace and your understanding. And God, just let this be to Jeff just a glimpse of what heaven's going to be like when we get to put on our new bodies. God, just help him to feel amazing after this and help us to glorify you in this situation. God, let Jeff know and Brenna know and their families that we are here for them no matter what. God, we love you, and we lift this prayer up in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, good morning, everybody. What a morning, right? Um, crazy. There is someone's black Jeep in the parking lot that is just, like, freaking out. <laughs> it was freaking out, and then it wasn't, and now it is again, so I think we found the winner. There we go. <laughs> it was on beat with King of Kings, though, so it was kind of cool. <laughs> it was just the wrong key, but it was keeping time. So, hey. Um, goodness, what a day, right? Um, today, we're actually going to be talking about prayer by no coincidence at all. And so I found out on Wednesday that I was going to be preaching this sermon, um, and I found out because of the news that Jeff shared with you guys this morning. We hadn't known all of it yet, um, but just a crazy, crazy journey. So prayer, as we talk about more tough questions, I think prayer is one of those great mysteries of our faith, right? I know for me, is this still going? Oh, there's a different car now. Let's go. It's a Ford Explorer. Front row. Oh, someone got it. Let's go. Who knew I was going to be an announcement guy today, too? Let's go. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. Just the, the energy from in here is just like setting everything off. Let's go. That's the way we like it. Um, prayer is a key component of our faith. Yet, personally for me, it's one of the biggest mysteries that I've had for a long time. Like a core, core memory for me is Greg and Alicia. We were flying down to a um, worship conference. That was two years ago, I think. It was 21. I don't remember. Yeah, 21. So 21. We were flying down on Southwest Airlines. We we're all wearing masks. Um, it was a crazy, crazy thing. We were starved because nowhere was open at any airport. And we just got in this deep conversation about prayer. And in this, in this part about prayer, we were talking specifically about Mary, Mary Annabelle, who you guys know and 
um, the crazy story that we've seen through her and her recovery, and just trying to understand, like, how do we even approach this? How do we even, how do we even take these requests to God, and how can we be guaranteed that he's going to answer them was the angle I was coming from. And, um, and I'm sure there's a lot of you that have those same questions, right? That how, how do we pray? Why do we pray? What's that going to yield for us? Like why is sometimes it can answer to one time? Why sometimes does it not? And so there's two th- key things I want to talk about right at the beginning here. Prayer is two things. Number one, it's powerful, right? Because many of us have prayed and God has answered, and we've seen that in our lives. Mary is a key testimony to that, right? We are like, goodness, stop this tumor from continuing to grow. And it has, and it's actually begun to shrink to the point of it being non-existent anymore. But for the other half of the room, prayer is often confusing because we pray and we pray and we pray, and it just doesn't ever seem to get answered or it doesn't go the way we want to see it go. And so prayer is this big enigma in our faith where it's both powerful and confusing, all right? And I, think, and I think scripture doesn't do us any good help because Jesus speaks things like this, John 14, 13, and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it, Right? Ask me anything in my name and I will do it. But yet, we just talked about how sometimes that happens and sometimes that doesn't. And so we have this huge dilemma and it's why this is a tough question. You would never think coming and speaking about tough questions that prayer might be a part of it, right? Because we all know that it works. We've all probably seen it work, but we've all seen it just as much now. And that we see sometimes it happen or not happen, okay? So I want to explore that today. So that leads us to the question we have today. Why didn't God answer my prayer? Why didn't he answer my prayer? So hopefully today our scripture can bring about clarity to this and what scripture actually speaks about prayer and maybe some of the hangups that we have within it. Because here's the thing. If we never understand why we pray, we will always be confused about how God responds, okay? So if we never understand why we do it, we will never be anticipating how God is going to respond through it. And I think that's one of the reasons why we struggle with it so much. We've never been educated well on why we do it or how it actually works. I wish I had this quote years ago, and I can't take claim for this. This actually, in my prep for this, me and Eric kind of teamed together. He is preaching the same sermon, not the same sermon. We have the same tent poles in our sermon, but how we're getting between those tent poles is all me and all him. And this is one quote I like that he said earlier this week. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will. The purpose of prayer is to get to know God so we can do his will. Okay. The purpose of prayer is not to have God do our will, but to get to know God so we can do his will. Okay. And so that's going to be a baseline that's going to run across everything we talk about today. You can see God isn't who we make him out to be, right? I feel like a lot of times the character of God, we can manipulate and change and mold with how we treat him. Okay. So just a couple of things I want to talk about that God is not. 
God is not Santa Claus, okay? God is not this jolly old bearded man who we crawl up on his lap at a certain time of year and beg of him for things, okay? Because it does not depend on whether we have been good or naughty, whether we get his answered prayer or not. And I think so many times that is what we view as God, is that, oh gosh, I'm not being good enough right now. Or I have had sins in my past that is causing this wall in between me and you. That is not, we can't crawl up onto his lap and beg of him things and then expect to either get them answered or get a lump of coal in our stocking. That's not how God works. He is not Santa Claus. Two, he's not a genie. Whenever I say genie, I think of Aladdin and Robin Williams, right? That, that phrase is like, poof, what do you need? Okay? He is not this animated cartoon character that just, we rub a lamp whatever that might be in our lives, whether that's our Bible or that's a necklace or that's some change or prayer beads or, or whatever they might be. We can't just rub these things and he shows up and says, what do you need? And there's also not a limit on what God can do. We don't just get three wishes with God. He wants to open up everything to us. And it all depends on how we approach him, how he might respond. God is also not a fast food God. We can't just go through this drive through expecting to throw out our order, and he's like a good Chick-fil-A worker saying, my pleasure, my pleasure, my pleasure, right? He's not, that's not who he is. It's not about when we need him, we come around. When, we're, when our stomachs are craving those delicious chicken nuggets, right, and that Chick-fil-A sauce or that Polynesian sauce, my favorite, we can't just like roll through, and he's like, Ding. my pleasure. That's not what he is. Our God, from top to bottom, from beginning to end, Alpha and Omega, for all eternity, is a relational God. He is a relational God. And so, therefore, because of that, our journey in how to talk about prayer is, again, led back to it's us being in tune with him to know his will so we can step into that, Okay. So it's no longer about us, it's about him. So, why? So the whys of today. I'm not going to be able to probably answer a lot of the questions you guys might have about prayer. Like, I, I am not answer guy. I don't even have it, like, figured completely out for my life about why and how and how it looks. However, I want to work through these four, th these four things that might give us a glimpse into maybe reasons why prayers haven't been answered, or maybe what we need to do in ourselves to move into a right relationship with Christ where that communication can open up. Does that sound good, everybody? All right, let's go. Number one, unforgiven relationships block prayers. Unforgiven relationships block prayers. Mark 11, 23 through 25, Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Grow, throw yourselves into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that they will say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Whew right? But uh, we have always heard about that whole throwing mountains around thing. 
<laughs> I don't know if we've ever really been taught well the part that, like, here's the thing that's going to keep you from throwing that mountain. If you have an unforgiven relationship, if you stand to raise your hands before an almighty God and you have beef with someone else that is unforgiven and unfigured out, God will not listen. <laughs> and that's out of the mouth of Jesus himself. Our relationships with other people matter when we pray. They wholly matter. We can ask for anything, Jesus says, but first, forgive those that wrong you. Forgive them. Now, this isn't saying that it all has to work out rosy. Because <laughs> there's going to be broken relationships in our lives. There's going to be things that stand between us. But the key element I wanted to point out is the unforgiven part. If we are not people who are willing to forgive others, God's not going to look at that favorably. Think about his commandments to us. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy, right? And so these commands he gives us of how we should be interacting with people can stand in the way. This is a thought I had when I was prepping. But how can we grab the blessings of God if our hands are tied up with all the junk that we carry for other people? The strife, the gossip, the slander, the division, the anger. Like if we're holding on to all this stuff, how can we ever raise our hands to God, right? And that God wants us to walk through that. We are called to love others. We are called to, to reach out to people that are our enemies. Why would he bless our prayers when we hold hatred for someone else? Here's another example, Matthew 5, 23 through 24. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Again, Jesus talking. Jesus gets away with the hardest things, doesn't he? Man, God doesn't even want our gifts from him if we harbor issues with other people. There's a period in my life a couple years ago where I had a lot, of, a lot of angst towards someone who I called a friend. And it was brought about by all these things. And I would struggle each week taking communion when I held this stuff in my heart. And so there was a period of time where I didn't allow myself to take communion because I knew of the stuff that I harbored for that person. That person, that stuff didn't get resolved but I don't hold anything anymore. There's a long time when I did. And that has been like so freeing for me in life and even in that relationship. That even though it's not perfect, it is forgiven. And I can move on and I feel like I can talk to God again. Number two, wrong motives block prayers. Wrong motives block prayers. Now this I want to call, this is like the pharisaical rule, right? Like the, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, when Jesus was around, had all the wrong motives, right? And so Jesus would lean into this. Matthew 23, 28, 28 says, On the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. James 1, 1 through 3. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. 
You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Sometimes our way that we approach, sometimes the reasons why we pray for these things block God from even hearing them. Selfish prayers. If we pray selfish prayers, expect to get silence. Like we should just expect it. Because it's not about what we want. A couple examples. Bless my business, but don't be generous. Right? God, bless, bless, what, bless my job. Bless that I get that promotion. But I'm harboring everything for myself. God's not going to bless that. He tells us to give and give freely. Right? The first might be last. The last shall be first. God, I want to ace that t- test, but I'm not going to study. Right? God, just do it for me. There's that genie coming back up right? God, here's what I need. Come on, right? That's not how we treat a king. That's how we treat an animal. We need to evaluate our prayers. Where are they coming from? And what is our motivation? Going back to that that thing. It's not about knowing what we want. It's about knowing and doing what he wants, his will. Number three, lack of faith blocks prayers. <laughs> lack of faith blocks prayers. And I think like a good example, a good example of this, not in a bad way, but in a good way, is like watching you guys react to Jeff talking this morning. Because um, he wanted nothing more, and I know this because he told me it. He wanted nothing more to drop that news and run out that door. And I heard him walk off that stage, and I heard much, a bunch of you guys going, are we going to pray? And Ken was already on it. I don't know where Ken's at. But Ken was already on it. I'd give him a heads up, and I knew he'd be bold enough to just walk up and grab him. So lack of faith can block prayers. I saw no lack of faith <laughs> in what we did this morning, church. But a lack of faith blocks prayers. Listen to this. In Mark 9, so setting up this stage, there's a son. He's possessed by an evil spirit, a demon. And his dad takes him to the site to the disciples so that they can cast out the demon. Okay? And so they're unsuccessful. So we pick up in Mark 9, 21 through 25, where he's now talking to Jesus. Okay? So Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, I love Jesus' humor, if you can. <laughs> Excuse me? If you can, everything is possible for one who believes. And immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my belief. So he's like, God, I'm struggling with this. Jesus, I'm really struggling with this right now. I don't know if I believe enough, but if you can do it, Jesus is like, really? You're talking to me? Of course I can do it. And he's like, then if you say you're going to do it, I will believe. And we're going to do this together. And what do we know? He heals the boy he overcomes his disbelief because of who Jesus is. What if we were all this honest? <laughs> what if when we approach our prayer closets, what if we approach our prayers with this open honesty about where we are right now, right? It doesn't say because of the disbelief that this man has that God, Jesus is like, well, you didn't hit that ratio, so pff, forget you. No, he's, he approaches it with this attitude of like, help me believe, God. Prove to me. 
Like, show me what you can do. I don't like the proof to me. Scratch that from the record. Show me what you can do. Jesus steps up and does it. And the faith is grown in this man. And here's the thing. If we're all honest, maybe that's us right now. Maybe we used to have such a strong faith, but the pain and the problems of this world have choked it out. You know, maybe there's just been so much junk that we just, it's hard for us to have faith anymore. We've all been there. I know I have. We've all been in this place where we kind of feel like we're at the bottom of the bucket. But the key is to remember God's faithfulness. And even though God has not been faithful maybe in your life recently, take a look around at where God has been faithful. Like, I think about just in this room, and some of the people that I'm talking about aren't here this morning, but just in this room, we have seen God move. This room, 100 and some people, Northside Medina. The stories that have come out of this place in two years are crazy. God has moved right here. So it's proven. It's not down the road. It's not somewhere else. It's right here in our midst, God's faithfulness. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So faith is a huge component. Believing that God says what he will do, even if we can't see it, is key to our prayers. If God isn't big enough, it's not God's fault. It's ours. God is huge. If God is not big enough, it's not God's fault. It's ours. We're missing the boat somewhere. And I, and I want to hear this because I, I think so many times, prosperity, gospel, all these things, we tell people that believe in faith for faith's sake. No. We cannot put our faith in faith. It has to be in God. It's not a painting on a piece of fancy wood hanging on our walls. It's God in the flesh and blood, in the spirit, that we have to put our faith in. Not sayings, not even verses sometimes. It's God moving and breathing and doing, and we see that. And that is where we put our faith. We put our faith in our conquering king. We put it in our Lord. But despite all this, despite all these things we talk about, let's say you're sitting here and you're like, wow, you know, I'm not harboring anything for anyone. I forgive everyone that's wronged me. Gosh, I'm in this place where I feel like the motives are right. I feel like that's, it's going right. I feel like I have enough faith, but why? And the fourth thing is where we started. Maybe our will just doesn't match up with God's will. Maybe there's these things that we feel are going to be the best thing for us. God disagrees. <laughs> God disagrees. God, if I only had this, if I only had this, oh man, I'd do all these things. God, if you only did this, oh man, that would be the best thing. And God says, I just look at it differently. You know, so God sees the bigger picture. <laughs> God sees time and space across beginning and end. He sees it across the whole thing. And we're just seeing this tiny little space. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. 
This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So the most important piece in prayer, so where we started, I, gave, I, I teased it from the very beginning, is his will. What is his will? You know, I, I, you know we, we never, I feel like it's our humanity in us that almost feels uncomfortable with that answer. Because I know for me, I love controlling things. Like I found the root of all my anxiety was the fact that I just want to handle everything myself. I want to control it. <laughs> I want to control the outcome. I want to do this. I want to do that. And somewhere along the way, I had to find out, you're not in control. It's merely by God that you do anything. And so you have to lean in to that idea of will. And that's hard, but that's faith. That's belief. That's turning the keys over. I thought I had my keys in my pocket. It's turning, it's turning the keys over to him instead of driving the car yourself. Carrie Underwood had it right. Jesus, take the wheel, right? <laughs> the best example of this in Scripture is the Apostle Paul. Now, background, Paul talks multiple times in Scripture about this thorn in his flesh, okay? There's something obviously going on. And, and scholars have no idea. He's, he holds his cards real close. Like, Paul is like a good version of Jeff. Um, he just holds like I'm so close. He's not going to let anyone know unless you need to know. But we see that he has this issue, and we see that he approaches God about it constantly. 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10. Paul says this, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, the thorn. But he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And so when we get to that bottom of the bucket, that's when we need to ask God to step in. And I, and I feel like whenever we're praying to God, whenever we approach it, when we're talking about tough questions with prayer, they're bottom of the bucket prayers. They're not high in the sky prayers. They're not prayers of praise that we're talking about. They're talking about that bottom line at our wits end kind of prayers. One of my favorite verses in scripture comes from this 2 Corinthians. For my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. And so God wants us to be people that understand that we can't do it on our own. That we need him. That we have to have him. It's so, it's so refreshing for me to know that Christ is made perfect in my weakness. Because I'm really weak, y'all. <laughs> I'm really weak. And God's going to move through that. The Spirit's going to tap into that. Christ is going to be glorified through that. My goodness. So as we talk about prayer, may we remember one thing. The most important part of all of this is his grace. 
that when we are at our lowest, when we are at our weakest, when we don't know where else to turn, his grace is sufficient for us. For where we are weak, he is strong. And that is where he meets us. No matter the outcome of what might happen, he is there with us. And that is always true. That is always good. And that is the best thing that we can hold on to. Remember, the purpose of prayer is not to get God to do our will. It's so that we may get to know God and do his. May that fuel us today, church. May that revive us. And may that make a difference in how we pray to God and how we love on others and teach them to do the same. Thanks, guys.